A Future in Mid-Flight. My writing career was kick-started by a classified ad in the Times in the early 80s. A Girl Scout group in Ohio was looking for British brownie pen friends. I'm not sure why my pen friend and I were matched, but it didn't matter. The writing was enough. The rest came from there. By the time we eventually met, I knew her better than anyone I'd ever called a best friend. The arrival of email gave our writing relationship a new immediacy. It was also, we agreed, a little like keeping a diary that wrote back. We were also both writing other things, poetry mostly. She sent me carefully illustrated copies of some of hers, and I did the same, minus the illustrations. I never have been able to draw. One which she wrote while flailing in the backwash of the ending of her first serious relationship contained the line and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. That line stuck in my head. We made plans separately and together. I moved 200 miles to London to take the first tentative steps in a legal career. She moved almost 2,000 miles to Phoenix to work as a third grade teacher. And the following February, I was to visit her in Arizona. She sent me photos of some of the places we'd see and even a smear of red dust on the back of a postcard. I never made that trip. One day, I received an email from her mentioning some awful headaches she'd been having. The next day, the headache worse, she came home early and collapsed. One of America's best neurological hospitals couldn't save her, and she died two weeks later, her brain peppered with aneurysms she hadn't known were there. I wrote her a last letter, one she'd never read, and packed it away with all the others. I even packed away her poem. Was I scared by its prescience? Or, at twenty-three, was I not old enough to appreciate that it was a prediction that could just as easily be mine? I missed her all right. One bright Saturday afternoon, dozing on my bed, it even seemed as if she came to sit beside me. I heard her voice, felt her hand on my shoulder. Unless it involved statutes and case law, there wasn't much writing for me over the next few years. I was a lawyer now, not a writer. Then, six years later, when I was 29, my phone rang. My father, at only 60, had had a heart attack, the sort medics call a widow-maker. He wasn't expected to survive, and indeed he was dead before the taxi from my Fleet Street office reached Euston. Even at the time, I was surprised at how effectively adrenaline carried me through that dark aftermath. My father's business needed winding up, and, of course, there was my mother, alone now. I think it was during this period of parenting a parent that I felt the cold cloak of my own mortality settle around my shoulders. I thought a lot about my American friend and how her future had indeed fallen down in mid-flight. And I thought about my father whose belief in his own future was evident in the tiniest of things, the note about a dental appointment he'd made for the month after his death, and a new, unworn shirt hanging in his wardrobe. I tried hard to think less about what he'd lost out on, and more about what he'd done. Forty years earlier, he'd eschewed Oxford for Liverpool. It was the tail end of the sixties, and there can't have been many more exciting places to be young. 
As Ent's secretary at the Union, he booked many of the era's musical greats. No surprise, really, that he ended up ditching his teaching career in favour of opening his own record shop. In my head, a clock started to tick. The arrival of two babies in just under two years muffled it for a while, but it emerged stronger than ever in those unfriendly pre-dawn hours when I tried to persuade my toddler back to sleep or fed my baby. The final catalyst was a redundancy exercise. An employment lawyer, I was more used to being on the other side of the table. Although I kept my job, my enthusiasm was gone and that clock was ticking louder than ever. And so, with the support of my long-suffering husband, I did what everyone always tells would-be writers not to do. I gave up my job, a good one by anyone's standards, to write. Nearly seven years later, I'm still here, still writing and just about earning a living from it. I've done it for myself, but in another sense, I've done it for my long-dead friend and for my father too. I'll fly with my future for as long as I can.